Hey everyone, it's Will and James here. Welcome to the Pure Sport Project. We want to jump into the minds of people we find inspiring from all walks of life. Bringing you their stories, lessons learned along the way, and future plans. So tune in for some of them wholesome yarns. Everybody, welcome back to the Pure Sport Project. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, we'll find out, but I am your host today. You've usually got James Dollar and Will Googe, but this is a interview that of a man that I know well and was a teammate of mine at Glasgow Warriors and a guy that's been a great supporter of Pure Sport here today in London at Pure Sport HQ for the launch of our the world's first informed certified range of mushroom products. Ryan Wilson, one of rugby's bloody great characters of this time. Bloody good to have you, bro. Welcome. Grace, it is bloody lovely to be here, mate. Here I am in your offices. What was it, seven years ago? Seven years, mate. And you got... Yeah, I know. Six, six seven years ago. And we graced Time the, flies, eh? Grace the fields of Scotland together. And now look at us, yeah. and, mate. It feels like I'm in a, a Google office. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is much more of a office than I ever thought that I'd be uh, part of. So It's very you, though, mate. It's very you. It's very community, like you said. There you go. I love it. And yeah. and everything's off the cuff. Even this yeah, morning are. when you made me talk at the event, yeah. and you gave me all of 10 minutes notice. We strung Ryan in as a guest speaker in our Mushroom launch event. We had about 60-odd people down, full capacity, down here at Pulesport HQ. Ryan rocked up to show his support, and next thing you know, he's thrusted in as, but you did a bloody good job, mate. Oh, I tried. Yeah. For those that weren't here, Grayson spoke. Then he put a neuroscientist up to speak, a beautiful lady, neuroscientist. So everyone was wowed. And then he let me speak after her. Really threw me in under the bus there, mate. That was kind of you. What we like to say at life is all about balance. You know, you bring in the expertise, one form of intellect, and then you bring in the character, the creativity, the charisma. It's all about balance. To bring it mate. down a level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone was quite confused after she had spoken about science. So brought them back down to the Bring human back level. Back to that really relatable level. But Ryan, for people that are tuning in and they're not diehard supporters of the Glasgow Warriors and the Scottish Rugby Union, give us a bit of an insight into your journey, where you are today, one of the most capped Glasgow Warriors of all time. For those that don't know, Glasgow Warriors is Scotland's most successful rugby club. They consistently compete at the European level. You guys have won a Pro 14 Championship. Ryan's represented Scotland many times at World Cup and at the highest level, captain the Glasgow Warriors for a long time. But give us an insight into like your journey, where it began. And I know I've kind of just sort of rattled out some of the key parts, but yeah, how you got to where you are today from where it all began. Yeah, well, I suppose the first thing to mention is obviously, and it, mate, you'll get it all the time, my accent. People go, hold on a minute, this bloke's Scottish, is he? I am Scottish. My mum's from Motherwell. You go. You've represented Scotland with that accent. I have. I get, you know, the amount of times people think I'm a Kiwi or an Aussie in Glasgow is unbelievable. I think it's because I <laughs> kick about in flip-flops oh, and shorts all year round. It's probably because there's not that many English people speaking, in Glasgow. English-speaking yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's it. So the amount of people that say that, but yeah, so th- for those that are starting to go, hold on a minute, he's messed up here. I am Scottish. My mum's from Motherwell. Family are from Motherwell, my nan and granddad. So there's always been a Scottish link. It was interesting. I was speaking to Sam Portland. Yeah. I was having a chat to him um, and he obviously does the, the speed stuff and with Adam Hastings as well, actually. And I said, mate, there's, do you know what? I believe in it massively. I believe it or not, 
saw a speech coach when I was like 16, 17. That is actually ring bright. I remember when I rocked up to Glasgow Warriors, everyone was like, bro, this dude, Ryan Wilson, he's got the fastest 10 meter time in the whole yes. team and he's a big brother. I was like, fuck. Yeah. It was true, eh? Yeah. 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 Thank you. I'm glad you remember that. And look, I don't want to blow too much smoke because I know you're a pretty confident character, but my perception of you was you were the first back rower that was actually able to, you know, show a bit of skills and link between the backs and the forwards and, the, you know, you had a few offloads and a bit of a passing game on you. You've got to I think you had to, you had to find – because those shoulders of yours were no good, were they? So you had to find other ways to put your skills to work. Yeah. Shoulders like a trout, exactly. I had to find a way around it and because I've got zero muscle mass, broken shoulders, pretty skinny, rangy fella. There had to be another way around it, surely. So You probably rocked up and you're like, look, all these back rowers here, they're real strong, they're real big, they run into brick walls. I could do something a little bit different here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to find a way around Exactly. Yeah. Mate, work with what you're given. And this is it. This body, you know, shoulders like my mum. <laughs> I've been given it. But yeah, it's funny actually, because I mentioned a lady called Margot Wells. That's honestly where it all started. Margot Wells, to this day, everyone says, you know, if there was one thing in your life that put you on the path or you owe it to someone. And obviously I owe it to my parents massively, but Margot Wells, for me, I wouldn't have been a professional rugby player without that lady. She trained her husband, Alan Wells, to win the 100-meter Olympics. He won gold at the Olympics and she trained a load of players. Back when I was 16, 17, she had the likes of Danny Cipriani, Don Waldock, James Haskell, Ricky Flutie. Remember all these yeah. guys kicking around at Wasps? She's almost got like the sort of legendary status a bit like – and she's quite selective of who she works with, isn't she? Yeah. And well, I've heard that she's quite particular on like the mental element of training as well. Was that something that you recall from your time with her? Massively. Yeah. And like, she's not just a sprint coach, it's, it's holistic. She's across everything. She was across my diet. I remember I turned up hungover once. I was like 17, 18. And genuinely, she, she just said, right, go on then fuck off yeah i said what do you mean she was like no you're hung over you're not taking it seriously don't bother what's the point i'm wasting my time you're wasting your time so she sent me away i genuinely gave up you won't believe this i genuinely gave up drinking for almost a year when i was around 18 years old yeah. because it's a time where if you're trying to crack it as a young professional aspiring pro athlete there's so much development that your body's going through mentally as well the resilience that you need to get to that level that's a fucking probably a way bigger favour than what you even realise to this day, the fact that you're able to focus in like that. A hundred percent. And she'd obviously seen it. She'd seen so many athletes come through and then waste it away, I guess. And so she said, no, 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 if you're with me, that's it. You don't drink. So I genuinely gave it up, knocked it on the head. And she got me back. She helped me from my first shoulder operation, got me back in there, got me my trials for Scotland Exiles. And mate, the rest is history. Played Scotland Exiles, well, trained with them, into the under-19 Scotland setup, under-20s. I did a year in Birmingham, mostly, to toughen me up. And yeah, then they said, listen. hearty as hell. Oh, mate. Talking about hearty. Yeah, that was when Exeter, Exeter were in the championship. That's how, yeah, that's how old we are, mate. Yeah, I, was I can't believe how old I am now. Bloody hell. So, yeah, yeah, it was an interesting one. And that was the way it went. After the 20s, they put me in at mostly. They said, do a year in the championship, toughen yourself up. So I just spent a year scrapping. Yeah. And I was meant to sign for Edinburgh. And Edinburgh... Rob Moffat at the time said to him, we want Dave Denton from Glasgow. So thank God, Dave Shit. Denton went to Edinburgh and uh, Sean Lenin took, took me up there and 
220 games later, mate. It's actually crazy. I can't imagine you as an Edinburgh player. It's crazy how just something so, it might seem like a trivial or little thing at the time, paved the way for your whole career, right? Like, Edinburgh is a completely different club than Glasgow, isn't it? And it was at that time as well. Yeah, and it's a different mentality. They've had different, completely different track records. I think the consistency of players that have stayed long-term at Edinburgh is nothing in comparison to what Glasgow, like guys have had, like yourselves and many others, full spent their whole careers at Glasgow Warriors, whereas Edinburgh's got quite a big turnover of players and would have been a different journey, I think. Cause oh, mate, 100%. That's, and that's you, been your life, right? You go With down to, Exactly. My whole life has been 13, 14 years in Glasgow. And you think that one decision, which I thought – had ruined my life almost. When they made that decision, I said, no, 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 that's not what it's meant to be. That's not how it's meant to go. And I thought, no, no, no this is Because back when wrong. you joined back then, Glasgow would definitely sort of, they they were not at the level that they were later on into the... Yeah, they were building. And Glasgow is a massive football city. Yeah. No one had a clue who Glasgow Warriors were. It was Celtic and Rangers yeah. and that was it. So yeah, 12, 13 years ago, playing at Fir Hill. Yeah, so that decision that was made, which I thought was the worst decision ever, actually shaped pretty much my entire life it's, it's you know it sounds crazy to say it but it genuinely means that so we went up there for a couple of years and I thought I'd get my foot in the Scotland door and yeah 14 years later four kids a house a dog Bloody hell. I'm up there and stuck there you're a true Ouija now man I, I speak with a Glaswegian accent <laughs> I can talk with a accent the whole time even, even with, with a few more whiskeys mate but he comes out fluent but so tell me bro so by the time I got to the Glasgow Warriors, I'd spent a couple of years at Edinburgh, the rivalry, and, and I remember signing for Glasgow. And I actually always wanted to play for Glasgow because they were the team that played the style of rugby that you know I felt was much more suited to me. So they were more hearty, much heartier, threw the ball around, and really had a crack. So I was the city bloody, suits you as well. Yeah, no, I, mean, I actually love Glasgow. Edinburgh's yeah. a bit prim, proper, yeah. too polished. Whereas, yeah, I didn't quite fit the mould up, up there in Edinburgh. It was very private school a bit of a different setup Edinburgh uh, Glasgow is definitely a bit more hearty yeah, bit more, rough around the edges more for the people you know yeah, 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 yeah. it suited you but more f- suited where the neck of the woods I was from in Auckland and Mount Ross school so a bit more crossover there but but now nah, man I, I had great memories enjoyed my times there and I know that my time at Glasgow was a time where you guys had just won the competition riding a high so talk to me a bit about your memories, what that was like winning a pro and You'd obviously built up hugely to get to that point. What was that like playing for the club that, you know, that was your first pro club going on to win and then some of the journey from there? Yeah, well, as you mentioned it, we spoke about this earlier and the core, of the, the core group of what we had there, it was guys that had been there since we were 20 years old. So we'd slowly built up to 2015. We'd made a quarterfinal, lost it, made the semi the next year, lost it, then made the final, lost the final, and then we finally got to the final and won it. And to do it with some of your best mates, like we, the core of our under-20 Scotland group was there, the likes of Chris Fazzaro, Pete Horn, all those boys, Richie Gray. So it was pretty special. And Glasgow was, yeah, like you said, we built it slowly. Like it hadn't been just something that happened overnight or something that was fluke. We'd slowly built this team that would die for each other genuinely and that's that's what I felt like the year we won it like everyone would do anything for it remember the likes of young Finn Russell yeah. Leonie Nakalawa he was, was an unbelievable story Finn like because he had been playing for Air, Air, Airshire earlier that season and that was his first year and he was just 
out there playing like he'd been there all along. Exactly. The likes yeah. of Henry Pygos. Like we had a pretty young team. Richie Vernon, the switch from number eight to centre that year. Tommy Seymour. So, Sean Maitland, who obviously is still going now, older than me and still plugging I away. Know. I can't believe that guy's still going strong, eh? So, we had a good team. But genuinely, like, it was a team where we were that close. We'd yeah. fight for each other and do everything for each other. And it wasn't as professional as it is now. I know Gregor came in and tried to make it as professional as he could, but there's only so much profession he can instill in us. We still managed to get a beer in now and then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would have loved that, Gregor. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had to do that on the slide. But yeah, it was interesting. And then obviously you came in. And as I mentioned downstairs, a man that I, I looked at and thought, this bloke's absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's lost the plot. I mean, we're up the back having a laugh. You're reading books about the brain and mushrooms and all sorts. Then you're doing podcasts, mate. You were podcasting before anyone would even know who Joe Rogan was. But genuinely, like before any of that stuff, I remember you saying, oh, we're going to do a podcast. The boy's like, what the fuck's the podcast? Yeah, and yeah, you so. were you were podcasting, mate. Joe Rogan heard your podcast. <laughs> so yeah. you were always ahead of the curve with stuff like that. And that's why a few months ago I dropped your text. And I'll be honest, I, I feel like a bit of a fraud saying I've been in pure sport for the whole time because I haven't. I've sat back from afar and watched and watched you grow what you've been doing with this company. And it's been incredible. And I have I know a few of the boys that involved, likes of Greg Lade, Law and Finn Russell. Do you know the thing that held me back? Was it I've got such like a, once I take something, I depend, I'm, I'm dependent, dependent on things. Yeah, so you don't want to start taking too many new things. Yeah. Like turmeric, man. Yeah, I started yeah. taking turmeric and I was making up my own paste and like mushing up my own paste. And then I didn't get sick for ages. And I was like, that's the turmeric. So that's it. Not being able to not take turmeric every morning of my life now. And I genuinely was looking at these products you were doing and going, once I start, that's it though. Because I know they'll help me. And then I'll think I need them all the time. And I held back a bit and mate, my knees are creaking nearly as much as yours. You were clicking, <laughs> oh, clicking the whole way back from coffee yeah. earlier. But yeah. now that I'm involved in this space and I've been taking the products and I genuinely, hand on heart, it, the best person to speak, we need to get her on here, my wife. Hey, Bex has noticed how much happier I am. Yeah. I've been going through a tough old time as well at Glasgow recently. And genuinely, I'm coming back in a better mood. So that's what held me back a little bit from taking some of the pure sports stuff because I didn't want to become dependent on it now, but that's it. I'm fully in now, man. Yeah, man. Well, there you go, bro. You'll be whipping up your own bloody linesman capsules and in, in the bloody... I'll give it a go. In the back garage. Yeah, you watch me, watch me yeah. get it wrong. <laughs> What's happened to Wilson yeah. over there? On the... Don't blame it on pure sports. <laughs> you, we'll, we'll save this clip. Nah, man, but that for me, that's an amazing thing because I actually love people that tougher to get on board and when they do get involved it's like because they've really thought about it and made a decision based upon their own they've educated themselves they've asked questions i think the world that we live in like there are two different type of people there are people that will hear something and hear other people say good things or whatever and they'll jump on board with it and then there are people that are skeptical and they'll ask questions and they'll investigate and they want to understand and then those are the kind of people that usually they're making decisions that are informed and you know they're like they're the ones that are probably showing much more consistency and buy-in like the people that represent pure sport the most are the ones that they ask the most questions they want to know how are we making the products why are we making the products why does it work what why is it different than this brand that brand and challenge you challenge you exactly and because for us as a business for us to be who we've set out to be, which is the most trusted, innovative, and effective natural wellness brand, 
we want to be able to stand up and have answers to being challenged. So if you're a dude who takes turmeric but then goes out and then creates his own turmeric paste, you know, you're the kind of person that has that rigor and questioning around, you know, I want to understand this completely. I just don't want to take it as hearsay. I want to understand so then I can implement it completely into my life. Like I went so in deep on it. Like I, t- I learned all about the peppering and how it increases Help your absorb, absorption yeah, rate. Yeah. Like I was – Man, I was like a scientist. Yeah, man. Like, you were head of science for pure sport. Imagine my missus yeah. in the kitchen, mate, me putting <laughs> uh, mate, my the ends of my fingers. I looked like I had fake tans. I was covered in orange turmeric. Basically, uh, thinking this bloke's had too many head knocks and he's lost his mind. Speaking of head knocks, though, that's the one, one that we're hugely excited about today. And I don't think as rugby players, the level of bloody impact we put our brains through, like we... I think we all can relate and know about the times we've been knocked out or concussed because that's so obvious and that's got a knock-on effect throughout life. But there are so many just knocks in training and in games that we're just used to that we don't ever question. And normal human beings don't take those little knocks that we're a bit like, ah, or like there's so much adrenaline that you don't even know until afterwards you've got like a big bloody lump on your head. We only think about the ones that we get knocked out or there's concussion symptoms after. But as a current player, with all that's coming out now, there's, you know, people that are suing the RFU, you know, not not looking after people properly with concussions and stuff. Do you think about that now or is it something that you'd rather not think about because, you, you know, you're right in the middle of, you're, you've got to go out there and bloody batter yourself. What's that like at the moment for a current player? I genuinely think about it all the time at the moment, more so because I, I'm slightly worried about my brain because I forget stuff all the time. And straight away you hear all this stuff and you, is am I all right? Have I got, I've got four kids. I'm like, you know, I've got to look after myself for after rugby. And so I do, I think about it all the time. And the more it's out there, one thing I have noticed, like the shift and the change in how much more the medical staff are looking after it now, there's been a huge change in that, which is brilliant. But in terms of, well, I'm probably a bit far on for me now. So the young guys coming through, but we played in an age where, yeah, it didn't really matter. And, oh. It's I remember t- getting knocked out and you would have been exactly the same. Knocked out cold, you come good or, or like you you come out or you come back to consciousness, they come on the field, they ask how you're doing, you, it feels like all your inhibitions are gone out the window. You, you actually don't care about your health and your brain in that moment. It's because it's almost like, it's like you're drunk. Like oh, you, nice. you lose your inhibitions really and then they're saying, are you good? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. And you, you can't even like see straight, you can't think. And then they're like, yep, good, yep, okay, play on, let's go. And then you're running around and it's like, can't remember the calls, don't know, and you get to the end of the game, can't even remember it. Whereas now you show a sign of like head knock, they'll take you off the field, they'll test you. But you must have experienced many of those where you actually get knocked out or banged in the head and you're actually not fully there, but... Yeah, yeah, I've, I've experienced it. But it's, I think what's more worrying is if you're not involved in a contact sport and you've never seen it before, I think ask you, Joe Public, member of Joe Public, go and watch what happens when you're there next to someone on the field and it happens and then you see the reactions after. I've seen boys sit on a physio bed, burst out crying, not have a clue why they're crying. Yeah. I've seen people speaking different languages because they actually think, so it's scary. You yeah. know the old tonic posture where the arms go up? Yeah, that is the up. scariest. I've seen people this. have seizures on the field after getting knocked out. And uh, it is scary. And, and listen, rugby, I don't want to go away from – I love rugby and I, it's given me everything. 
so I don't want to change the way the game's played, but I think we're doing we're doing things which massive strides into looking after players' well-being and, and mental health stuff, all that thing. So it's been great. But when you see stuff like this Lions main, and again, you the boys here at Pure Sport messaged me about this coming out potentially soon. There I was, straight into podcast, straight into and honestly, when you do a bit of research into this stuff, why are we not all taking it? Yeah. Like, why yeah. are we not all just hammering this? Down? And then, do you know what? Even if there's people out there go, oh, they haven't fully tested everything on humans yet, it's not doing any harm. Yeah. Informed sport, as we've spoken about this morning, which I'm now an expert on. Yeah. <laughs> we've <laughs> spoken about that. Mate, listen, this stuff, even if it's having a 1% effect on you, if it's not, it's not doing you any harm. So take it because five years down the line, when they go back and say, by the way, that lion's mane is working. I'm five, five years ahead of the game. I can still remember things. So this is, I'm excited about this one, man. This is awesome. And, and that's why I got, wanted to get involved in a company like Pure Sport, especially for stuff like this. It's exciting. It's exciting for us to have guys like you involved, current professional rugby players and in informed sports certification. Just, just. Yeah, still clinging, going strong. I reckon got another few years. He knows how to play smart, this guy. He's got another few years in the tank. What am I? What was I saying? I was. How did I say I was earlier? No, I'm not an elastic band. I'm yeah. An see these young, highly strung athletes. You know the 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 actual proper athlete guys that, that yeah, are. Yeah, the ones know, that function at like ninety five percent. Exactly. They're what were they? They're like a bloody tightly strung elastic band. And you're what are you? You're a seasoned old fisherman's rope. Fisherman's rope. You know, <laughs> resilient. It's not as efficient and effective. But it bloody well gets the job done, you know. And breaking. And it yeah. doesn't snap, it doesn't break, it just it keeps going missile. strong. Yeah. Touch wood missile. Yeah, I'll keep going. But the memories I have of you, Ryan, it was every Monday in the physio room, it was it looked like the end of the season for this guy. Both his shoulders had a history of being absolutely buggered. Every bloody game he'd have the ice packs on, it'd be with the physios, with the doctors, unable to lift his shoulder, arm above his head, everyone would be like, oh, fuck, yeah, Ryan's probably done for that. That's his bad shoulder. Oh, he's out. Yeah, ah, it's another surgery for Ryan. Monday in the physio room, are getting treatment? Come Thursday, Friday, the man's ready for team selection. And that, that's the old fishing rope, mate. You yeah, know? oh, yeah. He's it got was, a couple knots in it now. Yeah. Mate, that, that, that's just, it goes with age. The fishing rope was battered. It was bloody, it had seen better days, but it had built a level of, level of resilience that it could keep showing up week in, week out. And it just keeps getting thicker. Yeah. I think, like, imagine, like, the sea salt blowing in from the sea and just crushing it up a bit and making it a bit harder. Yeah. You know what I mean? So chuck a little bit of the old, the joint balm on. Bit of the balm, bit of the CBD oil. I'm flying again. Get, get a bit of lion's mane in there to fight against the degeneration of the brain for the head knocks and another 10 years in you. All day long. And again, I've done my research. That, do you know what the, the one that got me the most? When they put the cancer cell into a test tube and they put, it's not the cordyceps, it's the reishi. Reishi, yeah. And it slowed down the, the growth of the cancer. Yeah, crazy. That's unbelievable. The, cool, the amazing thing about this is there is actually some unbelievable scientific research happening around mushrooms and the impact that they can have on the human body and the sad thing about it is these products could have been utilized by the masses for such a long time if there was funding you know to go towards these scientific studies sooner the challenging thing about 
scientific research is, is really expensive and it's funded usually by big corporations or, or big, you know, big pharma and big corporations. So they're putting the funding into the science and the studies that suits their corporate agendas. Now, only because these natural alternatives weren't looked at as part of the main medical sort of system, was much more down the route of pharmaceuticals, these types of compounds and ingredients didn't have not got the scientific research back and the funding that they deserve in line with the impact that they can make. Because these are about like preventative measures. You know, the medical system that we've currently got is about once you're ill or once something's wrong, it's like, what do we do to help cope with that? Or, you know, yeah, try to fix that, that now it's so far gone. Whereas people are waking up now to the fact that, hold on, we don't have to get sick or get disease or like our, have our body full of inflammation that then has knock-on effects or sleep so badly that we really get insomnia and then that creates other cycles of illness and disease. Actually, we can educate ourselves now on lifestyle, diet, supplementation, ways of looking after the body to prevent those issues down the line. And that's something that Pure Sport's hugely passionate about. And the reason why we're, we're so passionate about working with athletes and then attaining things like the Informed Sports Certification is people look up to athletes because they know that an athlete has to use their body and their mind to like the highest degree possible in a short period of time because a pro sporting career is a finite time, you know, and you've got to get the best out of it. So it's about optimizing the mind and body. So a lot of athletes don't realize because when you're in it, it's just we're just so immersed in it that we're trying to yeah, achieve and do yeah. our job that there are so many people looking in on the athlete and saying, wanting to know what those athletes are doing to perform the way that they are. So now there's an opportunity for athletes to help to realign people's mindsets towards preventative health, you know, and like what you're saying with the turmeric and then the lion's mane and natural alternatives, because we all know you can have pain, you can take a painkiller and it masks it for those couple of hours and you get through the training, but it actually prolongs the issue, right? So now it's about methods of recovery. And you said something that was really key. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to let you say it because you can say it so much better than me, but talk to me about what you said earlier being way smarter with your output now as a professional athlete, you know, like because I think a lot of young athletes just rip in and try to do everything at 100 miles an hour, whereas actually you look at some of the best athletes in the world, like the Federers and these kind of guys, their output is it's nowhere near as high as they're just so much more efficient and smart with how they're doing things. So give me a bit of an insight into like maybe how you've evolved the way you've gone about things from being a young player to like much more seasoned player where you've got to control that output. I'm all about ticking over. I'm, I'm all about making sure that I'm getting something done. And I think that's the way, like, it's the way we go in the world now. Like, if you stop for more than a week, one, it's hard to get going again. Mental health side of things. You know, if, let's say a runner, right? I'm, mate, I'm far from a runner. Me too. But you, you, yeah, yeah, and you've got a marathon coming up. I keep mentioning it. Sorry, oh, mate. mate. But you stop for a week. Then there's a little bit of you on the Monday goes, oh, do you know what? I'll wait till tomorrow because I don't quite feel like and it's trying to get going again. It's it's bloody hard, isn't it? Yeah. So it's making sure you tick it over. No matter what, you hear about these people that make sure they do it every single morning and it's about creating habits. Yeah. 
So I almost do that with my training. No matter what, no matter what injury, I'll always try and, believe it or not, get in the gym. I'm not, Matt, I, I'm not shifting Big Ten. You know that, Grace. Yeah. But I'm getting in there and I'm ticking it over. I'm making sure that I'm moving. I'm doing that sort of stuff. And then in terms of training, I just try and get out there and, and run it off because I believe so much now, the younger generation are coming through, and especially in rugby, the smallest little smallest little knock and they're straight to the physios the physios saying right okay don't do that pull back from that and it's trying to get going again so that's genuinely how i feel like i've been bloody lucky the last few years i missed one game i think in the last three and a half years of rugby that's actually in this day and age man that's pretty much unheard of at that level i know i do i'm superstitious i'm I'm touching every bit of wood in there i'll touch your wood in a minute Um, but i'm I'm just trying so i just tick it over and that's genuinely how i feel is the best way and then when it comes to when it comes to training i've I've, i'm smart on the rugby field as well you don't have to you start to get wise to where you need to go and what you need to do and that's how you get by when you get a bit older. I'm, listen, I'm as fit as these young boys and I'm as strong. We were talking about this. Hit your peak strength at 38 years old. So I'm getting there. You're, yeah. you're a bit and closer. Yeah. Look at the likes of Kipchoge, the runner. He's probably getting on in age. and But you build up like a, a training, like a muscle memory, don't you? Yeah. And your body becomes more resilient to it. You become more efficient. Yeah. So you just, I just, it's, for me, it's all about just keep ticking over, keep going. Don't try not to stop. They'll have to do a lot to stop me from training and a lot of the times they'll say oh what's up with you and I'm like yeah it's just a niggle but I genuinely think just train through it to being sensible yeah but train through it it's not thrashing it's not trying to train at a hundred percent every time is it it's training to the level that you know serves your body to get you in the right place to perform well on the weekend and then recover well enough and make sure because you obviously need to get to that point where you're training at 90-95% no one ever trains at 100% in rugby so you've got to try and make sure you find that balance. But for me, that that's how I'm getting through it at the moment. And uh, whether people agree with it or not, it works for me and it's finding what works for you, eh? I think like, there's so much science in professional sport now with the training and like all, all the tracking of the GPS and the heart rates and everything. But with all the science, like science can be unbelievable to like progress and understand training, the human body, the capacity that we have. You can never trump your feeling, an individual's feeling of their own body. You know what I mean? And I think one of the things that I always recall is there were days in my career where you're coming on a Monday, battered, but demoralized maybe because you were, you know, mentally drained and your legs are absolutely fucked. And you're like, okay, I don't think I can do the training session the units, the team session, and then the weights. Get to weights in the afternoon and you got that thing in your mind. It's like, should I tell the trainer I, I don't want to do it or I can't do it or i got a niggle or – and because you, you, you think that you shouldn't do that because you need your legs to feel energized for the next day. But now you're like, okay, I'm going to go do that session. I'm going to get it done. And afterwards, you actually feel a 100 times better from doing that weight session. And it's one of those things that's like actually – if I hadn't have done that weight session and pushed through that feeling of like pain, it would have probably prolonged how long it would take my body to recover. But it's like the phrase that I've heard that stands out to me is motivation is so much harder to have consistently than discipline. Because human motivation comes and goes with your mood, with your energy, uh, with your emotions. But if you can implement discipline, 
to do things consistently, that is the biggest formula for success, right? Right. I think people believe that high achievers and high performers always feel motivated. I bet you there's many times throughout a week and a day where you just, the last thing you feel like doing is going out there and training. Oh, 100%. And that's, uh, it's funny, I was speaking to Sammy Kinghorn who was here today, who's done amazing things in, in her sport. And she was asking me about my off season. Now I'm starting to understand I need an off season. Not one, because I'm getting older, but two, I've got four kids. So I've got to spend a bit of time with the family. And it's like, it's hard work being a professional athlete, constantly hammering it away. So, I've decided, no, 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 I'm going to take three weeks off. But when I need to go back, you know who gets me going? My wife, Beck. She's like, no, you need to run. You've you've got to go and do something. And I'll try. I'll do everything <laughs> I can. Every trick in the book. No, no, I'm just going to make a coffee. I haven't eaten anything yet. Purposely won't eat. Because she's like, oh, you better not run on an empty stomach. And so I'll do everything I can. She's the one that forced me to do it. And do you know what's even more interesting is she was asking me about playing. I still, to this day, over 300 professional games, still go to a game and I question, I'm like, do I, am I, am I all right at this? Can yeah. I do this? And as soon as that whistle blows, you know the feeling, the whistle blows uh, the whole way up. I, I I can't get some of these young guys that go, oh no, I don't get nervous. Because yeah. I think my nerves makes me realise I still care. I think yeah. if I wasn't nervous, I would be like, maybe I don't care anymore. Yeah. But still to this day, 33 years old, over 300 professional games, I go, Fuck, I am I, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And then the whistle goes and I'm like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is easy. I'm it's, not ready to do this. It's, I, I think it's one of the biggest myths like that humans look at people that are doing amazingly well and they think, oh, that person must just feel confident and secure wow. all the time. Oh, I mean, when I was a young player, I used to get, be so nervous and I used to say to myself, oh, but when I go into a game feeling really confident, then I'm going to be, that's when I'm going to start cracking and playing to my potential. But actually it's about learning that accepting feeling nervous and having insecure thoughts and feelings is actually part of it. Oh yeah. You know? like, and, and it's almost accepting them. That's the solution. Like accepting that it's human and normal, no matter what you've achieved or how good you are, that you're going to have insecure feelings. Right. But I think that, it's a cool thing to hear, man, because a lot of people might be listening to this and waiting for their time to feel confident before they have a go at something. Whereas actually you're you're listening to a guy that has achieved, you know, consistently over 14 seasons to the highest level and he's saying he still goes out and gets nervous. That's a huge lesson for people. Yeah. No, it is interesting. I never fully believe someone when they say, no, I don't get nervous because I'm like, Really? I mean, you see the likes of Finn Russell goes out there and, you know, he, he trains with a smile on his yeah, face. Yeah. I, I believe with Finn, it's almost like a, a way of saying, no, 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 I'm not nervous. It's a bit of a show. He smiles and yeah. jokes. And some of us, that's how some of us hide it and do different things. And it's, it doesn't stop me going out there and, and doing what I want to do. But I just I think if you care enough, there's going to be nerves because it's always the what if I don't or what if I don't, or what if I let those people down? And that's the bit that probably makes me nervous. So, yeah, no, that's something that definitely still comes with me. I think humans, well, we listen to our own chatter, which is a perspective of someone else and which we'll never know truly what they're experiencing. You can never go inside someone else's experience. So, But our mind will always be like, oh, no, they've got it all figured out, but I don't. You know, you might look at Finn and be like that guy. People might look at him and be like, oh, he's smiling and having a good time. But like you said, 
you'll never actually know what it feels like. Like he'll, he'll, he's a human. He has feelings and nerves and lack of confidence and insecure. If a human tells you that they never have feelings of insecurity or, or negative thoughts, they're lying or they're like a psychopath. <laughs> but it, I think the people that still go around with a smile on their faces, they know it's normal. And there's even more pressures coming in and out from everywhere now. I mean, the amount of times we spend on our phone, on social media and stuff like that, the amount of pressures coming in from the outside now, even more important. And I know, listen, I know that you don't, you wanted to, I asked you before this podcast, what we're talking about. You said, oh, we'll just wing it. <laughs> I'm the one that feels like I'm plugging all the pure sport nah, stuff here. But again, again, with the mushroom stuff, I was watching some stuff on it. One in three people now have depression problems. And the effect that some of these mushroom products can have on that and help with that again i'm looking at that you think how much time but that that phone is now part of me if i lose when i lose that phone yeah i'm fucked i don't know what to, i yeah. don't know what can't to do pay for stuff we can't get in touch with people we don't even know our like wives phone numbers these days i don't so. even know my code yeah. to get into it i can <laughs> in the face ID. Yeah. i'm at night and i'm i'm turn i'm they turn alarm yeah. why i can't my face yeah. id's not working i can't get into <laughs> oh, it that's, but that's the thing right because we're so immersed in this world of technology now we don't often stop to see how quickly and rapidly this has evolved and what impact that has on us as a humanity because we're just in it right it's like the amount of comparison or like time that we spend on social media or like whatsapp or email no generation before us ever had that much digital time look how many screens we've got in there. there's four screens in here right now Fuck, it's actually yeah it's mental right? then, it's mental but, but we're in a time where there's more mental health issues than ever there's more anxiety feelings of agitation, feelings of not being good enough. But in line with that, there's not enough questioning of how we're living our lives. You know, it's like, it's pretty, we're living in an interesting time. And again, it's a terrible way to sort of plug the, since I've been taking the CBD oil, my mood, 100% there has been an effect in my mood. Like my missus noticed it, get home, like worst day ever, but still like, yeah. Yeah. brush it off a little bit easier and I went to New York I pretty much had a three four day bender I would have come back from that normally straight into training and had four days and felt like the worst ever but I'm, what, what are the, the ones I'm taking from my sleep uh, unwind the unwind capsules mate a couple of unwind capsules and some 3000 milligram mate, under that's the, the tongue combo right there. I'm telling you at no point did I get ill at no point did I I, I, how am I feeling all right? Yeah, and yeah. I'm putting it down to that. And whether then that's me now, that's it. I'm in it because I'm like, that's helping that. I'm not, listen, I'm not promoting. some bootleg <laughs> unwind. Ryan's going to be making them in his, uh, in not, his kitchen uh, next week. I'm not promoting and endorsing. <laughs> go out, get steaming and then just take pure sport. It gets you over your hangover. But it definitely had an effect. I mean, it had an effect. And that's another thing I noticed over the last few weeks. I'm like, Usually I would have got sick. Usually I would have felt absolutely wrecked. I would have had severe anxiety from having a bit of a blowout and the coach getting annoyed that I didn't turn up on the Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. No, New coach not. as well. But no, I think the thing is like people are more empowered than ever now through things like YouTube, social media, podcasts to to learn and understand about our minds and bodies and how we can optimize them because I think what we're starting to realize is yeah, like I alluded to earlier, the medical system 
they're not it's not bad but it serves a purpose which is looking after people once they're sick but actually there's been this big shift in awareness and i think the bloody shit show that went on and all the lives lost and all the impact on people's livelihoods and stuff through covid if there was a positive that came from it it's that people had time to question and put a bit of a shift of awareness towards what am i doing to look after myself so many people took up running or signed up to exercise more or yoga and looked at diet changes and things like mindfulness or yoga and and that is when pure sports started to see a big boom because people were more interested in what can i do to optimize my well-being and and it was a shift from okay i'm sick so i need something that's what we need to focus on for humanity it's like what can i do for my mental health what habits can i instill just like you spoke about with your training and the consistency and doing things consistently is a habit that you've implemented that's allowed you to stay injury free perform consistently we need to have cuz discipline's harder than ever now with all the phones and technology and all the attention that could be pulled in different ways so it's like what habits and things can i implement in my life that i can be consistent with that is going to help me to sustain optimal health and i think the generations before us they didn't have their attention pulled in all these directions that we do now whereas we need to be the ones to be like i can't wait for the mainstream system to tell me what to do because the mainstream system's here to help people that are already sick and that's why that's what pure sports here for and like so to hear you know your journey with that and how it's impacting your life and you being someone that's interested in these things already and now how you've got on board with it it's the perfect sign of this awareness shift that we're doing our bit to try to create and yeah i think sport and athletes have more impact than what they realize you're probably someone you're very lighthearted you you don't take yourself too seriously i don't, i know you joke and laugh but you can't achieve what you've achieved without being an unbelievable athlete you you laugh about you know you may not be the greatest athlete your shoulders are hanging on by a string but you can't do what you've done without you know being an amazing athlete and people want to know how you do that and how you look after yourself so i think more athletes that can understand that there is a platform that we can help educate people on living more optimally and we need to utilize it and that's what pure sports trying to do and you see it outside i mean away from supplements as well you see it out away from edibles and oils you put in your mouth you look at some of the highest performing athletes i i tell you now there's 20% of their day goes into training and then i'll probably say my maths is terrible but we're going to go 20% is probably diet etc make the the other 60% my maths is right there. It's helped the bloody maths out too. <laughs> it's recovery. Mate. And it's, it's, you hear guys like getting these hyperbaric chambers in their house, building saunas in the house, the, the, all the stuff of Wim Hof and the cold, the ice stuff, the amount that, especially in rugby, I, I can't talk for other sports as much, but especially in rugby and probably running the ice baths, all this sort of the, the science we're learning behind everything that that's doing, the amount of, effort and energy that's being pushed towards that why not push it towards supplements as well like what pure sport are doing because they're having they if they're having those two three percent differences like you are from the ice baths and all these different stuff i mean i'm going to be going to sauna i'm going to south africa in two weeks 
and I'm meant to be doing a sauna three oh, times yeah. a week, 20 minutes and trying to acclimatize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all these little things that you're doing. This is another part of it. So it adds to a professional or even if you're not professional, even if you're just going to play five side or trying to run marathons, you want to get that little bit tight because you're all competing against ourselves at the end of the day. You're, you, you've got a time in mind for your, your marathon. What is it? 12, sub, sub 12, 12 hours. <laughs> World's longest marathon. Oh, you could bring that down 10 minutes. <laughs> if you have the right recovery, if you're taking the right stuff. So, you know, we're already doing it with so many things. So why not do it with what, you know, the stuff we're taking? Yeah, man, absolutely. And I think as well, often we get caught doing things as a means to an end, like always trying to push towards the outcome. But if you actually learn to enjoy the process of looking after yourself and doing those things the recovery that is beneficial in itself because so for example if you go and do those saunas and you're just sitting there looking at the clock the whole time and being like Fuck, i just want to get this done it's going to help me perform better on the, in the game that it might help you but actually you can allow that to help you for your performance but you can immerse yourself in that practice and it's all and it can almost become an element of like you know mindfulness that can help with your your mental state as well you know not everything has to be geared so much towards outcome the more you can immerse yourself in the thing in that moment it can be in it can be something of service in itself in that moment you know and even for those wankers out there say it's a placebo well guess what i feel better for it so even exactly. if it's a fucking placebo yeah. who cares yeah guess what yeah. i feel better and and don't and be you, angry at me for feeling yeah. better and that's it man like <laughs> So many people are obsessed with data and the science. And of course, those things are amazing. They help humans understanding to evolve. But what we don't realize is our experience of life is the most important thing. So if you do things that make you feel good, do what makes you feel good. You know, like that's a that's a perfect example, man. So, but you're already doing it here, Grace. Like I've seen it, the community stuff. And Everyone now, especially after COVID, especially after being isolated and stuck in your own, everyone's looking for that sense of community. And that's what you guys are pushing there. I mean, the epitome of that is when I've never met Dan before and someone from the office said, oh, just stay at Dan's house. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, hold on, man. Go. I mean, is this is community or is this... Uh, is that because they got no budget or is, <laughs> is this... And actually ended up getting a hotel with uh, Ashley because we got in so late last night. But I love that. Absolutely loved it. Listen, we don't care who you are. You can just shack up with Dan in his house. And it's, I think he's got a double bed. Yeah, top and yeah, tail. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Up with it. That, and I think that's that was actually one of the things I learned in my, my rugby life is the teams that got the best out of the players were when a new player would rock up, they would make sure that they knew that that player belonged there. And then the teams that like almost made a player work to like prove that they were part of the team they were actually prolonging the performance of their team because they were like it was impacting you know a player feeling that they belonged and being able to express themselves so one of the things i've always wanted to implement in pure sport is wherever we go and whatever we do when someone comes in contact with us it's our obligation if you are part of this team and part of our community you let anyone and everyone know that they belong and actually What's happened by doing that is like we look, we have no one who causes any issues with us. There's no egos. There's no assholes. There's no one that causes issues. And it's almost because 
it's such an open and welcoming space. People don't need to have a chip on their shoulder, you know, prove themselves. So I think that's something that I've taken through my experience in rugby. And I always remember like coaches, like I always knew that if I felt that the coach trusted me and believed in me, I always would perform so much better. When a coach treated me in a way like you got to prove yourself or I you sense from them that they don't trust you, I, I would struggle to perform, you know. So I'm glad that you've noticed that about pure sport. And I, and I really do believe it's like a big point of difference for us because for us, we see our mission as introducing like products that are game changing for people. But it's about people's awareness and providing a sense of belonging so that more people can get on board with how we can live more optimally. Yeah. And, mate, you're showing it. Like, I've seen it. I mean, how many people you got coming to this run club tonight? Probably 100-odd? Yeah, probably about 120-odd. All day I've sat here just people wandering in and out. Yeah. <laughs> you're there. Yo, how's yeah, it going? Yeah, you know, yeah, I love yeah, it. I love yeah. it. And that's how it should be. So, yeah, yeah good on you, man. I uh, appreciate it, man. And it's been, uh, so, it's been amazing, you know, from scottston stadium you give me and adam shit about starting our podcast all the way back then now look, you, you, you're now the fucking key number one <laughs> podcaster of rugby and my interviewing skills have shown that um, i can it's i should stick to my day job with pure sport here but I, I absolutely love it man and what i loved about you throughout my time playing with you at, at warriors was you were a dude who you didn't you never took yourself seriously you were light-hearted you're always up to have a laugh you know, let yourself be the subject of a joke. Um, you were able to take that lightheartedness and also be the most professional player out there and drive standards from the guys around you. And I think that drew a lot of respect from a lot of people because I always found that really hard to balance the lightheartedness with the seriousness. And that's something that I think just comes really naturally to you. So I'm bloody stoked that, you know, you're involved with pure sport stories like this are cool man like you know guys like yourself greg laidlaw my old mate jerome kino from back in the blues finn russell guys that have been part of the journey along the way in rugby and now we're able to stay connected through life after rugby and business pretty cool man so i, I massively appreciate you coming on for a chat being here for our product launch and yeah being a genuine and honest advocate for the products and i know you if we ever supply you something that's shit, you'll be the first to let me know oh, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if we ever try and make you claim that you're that beautiful hair of yours is grown because of our products, you probably fucking tell me to bugger off. So, yeah. Nah, it's good to have you on board, bro. And thanks for being part of it. It's good to be on board, brother. Cheers, man. All good. Yo, thank you, Pure Sport fan, for tuning in. As a valued listener, we'd like to offer you a 20% discount code site-wide on puresportcbd.com. Use the code PROJECT20 to level up your life. If you like this podcast, like, subscribe and share with your friends. And remember, no stress, stay blessed and we'll catch you next time.